grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For the past couple of weeks, we've been hearing parables from Jesus about the kingdom of heaven. There are actually seven in Matthew chapter 13. Today, we encounter the last three. Unlike the parables about the sower and the seed or the wheat and the weeds, Jesus gave his disciples no deeper explanation when comparing the kingdom of heaven to be like a hidden treasure, a pearl of great price, or even a broad net. This section of parables ends, as you heard today, with Jesus asking the question, have you understood all these things? And then their quick reply, as the disciples were at that time, yeah. And of course we would say, probably not. But they understood at least the basics of what he was saying, or so they imagined. Without an explanation, there's always a danger, right? To misinterpret symbolic stories. They can go off in a strange directions when you hear these symbols and these imageries. And frankly, it even will lose the gospel of God's grace given to save sinners. Yet one big help is to know Jesus spoke these parables, these three, in to only his disciples. They were apart from the crowds, having gone into a house. Parables shared the mystery of God's kingdom to believers while hiding it from others who did not believe. They just didn't see any deeper meaning to the stories. Since Jesus already called the disciples, they were listening to his word, and they believed in him by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so being apart from the crowds, these last parables then were for encouragement and comfort. As once with Israel of old, Jesus has now gone to great lengths for his church and you who trust and follow him. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure or fine pearl, but notice only one is doing the action, and it's not those precious important things. Whether the man or the merchant, both were highly invested in securing what they found. Certainly the disciples had heard of the high cost it was for following Jesus, right? Sermon on the Mount. He spoke of laying up treasures in heaven as compared to life. To that kind of an anxiety, he proclaimed the truth. You've heard it before. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Of course, the man or merchant in our parable cannot be us. Because look at the outcome. He sold everything for the field or costly pearl, and he bought it. Such an exchange directs us away from discipleship to the ministry in person, in man, and work of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven belongs to what God's Son was doing in Israel and for a whole sinful world. He had the purchasing power 
to make the exchange necessary to claim it all. Jesus would later say the famous line, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, to pay it in full. Such a selling of everything, as in the first parable, meant Jesus was able to buy without exception even the whole field. And so St. Paul states that it's in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. To tell people who bought it all. And so by his death and resurrection, forgiveness won by Jesus goes before the world. A perfect payment kept safe in the gospel Yes, able to redeem each and every sin. Actions taken by this man or merchant Jesus also prove the treasure and pearl are valuable. They were the object and desire of Christ. Because remember, in this parable, the disciples were hearing these things alone. And for good reason, Jesus cared about them above all the rest because they were listening to him. His word and presence of grace received, and it made them the hidden treasure or costly pearl that Christ loved to the end. And no pastor could do this, only Jesus, for the whole church and for those disciples. Encouragement and comfort was necessary because they're about to leave that house. And you better know what was going to happen. The disciples would soon see Jesus almost immediately go to Nazareth and be rejected from his hometown. Here, also, within that same time frame about the beheading of John the Baptizer, and later, they would know their failure at the cross. Their value, those disciples, was not going to be based on themselves, but the love Jesus had for those he called. He even prayed on the night of betrayal. You remember this, that high priestly prayer? I don't pray for the whole world, but I pray for them for his church, for those who believe in him. And he said, I do not ask for these only, Father, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You are the treasure and precious pearl to Jesus that he has purchased by his blood. As Israel was once the treasured possession by God at Mount Sinai that you heard this morning, the greater deliverance of God has come by the choosing and calling of Christ from the gospel. His holy Christian church, by the preached word and rightly given sacraments, is now the treasure and pearl of great price gathered before his sacrificial love and giving. And so baptism into God's saving name made you and all in his church a chosen possession, holy in Christ, as you heard now it so is for the church out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Church, 
not merely in one place, but the whole body of Christ that's precious to him, those who believe in his great love as Savior and Lord. Instead of making yourself good or worthy to that precious value, Jesus bought you at the price of his sacrifice. He keeps you as a hidden treasure. Yep, that's the way it's going to be. Under changes and risks and dangers and toils of life to believe in him. So much so, go in my study and go look at the picture in my wall. If you've never seen it, it's been there for a while. But this very parable has Jesus quoted, pulling the treasure out of a field and it's a casket that's marked by a cross. Out of all the many other pearls, you are prized for God's judgment upon his one and only son that saves your life as a gift. And so comforted and encouraged by Christ means that we can keep casting out the net. The last parable, right, to his disciples in that house returns to something similar you've heard before earlier in what they heard. There will be a sorting at the end of the age, as with the wheat and the weeds, so with the fish. However, the broadness of this net receives the attention before leaving the house. Unlike waiting on weeds and wheat to grow, right, casting would be necessary since the sacrifice of Jesus was for the world. They would understand that only after his death and resurrection and his disciples would carry that out as a mission to baptize all nations and teach all things that he has commanded and to love what he has commanded because of what came to them or was made for them in baptism. Comfort, encouragement from the first two parables, you get it, leads to the last parable of casting out the net. Good news in Christ is broad enough to drag in every damned sinner by God's grace at work as a gift. Dragging in this net holds to repentant faith in Jesus Christ. And guess what? It's not going to break. It's paid in full for the biggest sins and the smallest sins, even for your sins. If it were only for the good, it might not go deep enough to grab hold of us, and surely that would only leave us in despair. So whether in Wabash or the mission work in other lands in Ethiopia, the net keeps being cast. You are his treasure and costly pearl, but not for selfishness. You can't hide and in these days, you won't be able to hide if you are going to confess this faith. But it is only to trust and follow Jesus. The angels do the sorting at last. But meanwhile, we're not to lose heart with the net he has given. The kingdom of heaven is more than like this or that kind of a thing. But it looks finally to Jesus. He is the one taking action as a man, a merchant, who sold everything. It was, it is the crucified and risen king who cares for you. While hiddenness in faith, the costly promise comes 
that comes today by word and sacrament, Christ cares for you. His great sacrifice notices you just as he has put this love before a whole sinful world. And yet the world still has its own standards and you can't adopt them. But God's love set the price for you in the cross. No need to look around. No reason to feel inferior. Take and eat, Jesus says. Take and drink. The risen Lord brings his sacrificial service and his kingdom has no end. God made the decision long ago for you by grace. His salvation plans are bigger than the work of any of our hands. He made your life precious to him from cradle to grave. You tell your daughters that until you finally have to give that to a preacher to keep telling them all their days. Dragged in by God's net of good news in Christ is to be conformed, St. Paul says, conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. It's a new life with new direction, made out of baptism and marked by the cross. Being treasured by God and his son brings us into the resurrection and gift of eternal life. Jesus has gone to great lengths for his church, capital C, and you here at Zion, and you personally who hear him today, who trust and follow him. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. At this time...